Dystopia tonight. We yes. have some incredible musicians with us today. Super pumped to have these guys on. I've been a fan of theirs for such a long time. I was pumped when I found out that they were going to do the show because, you know, you, you never know. Um, so, yeah, yeah I uh, I'm I love this band. Uh, they're called the Volbeats. We have Matthew Smith and Jeff Oaks on. So let's bring them on. Hey. Hey, gentlemen. What's going Hello. on, guys? How are you? Good. Good. <clears throat> have either of you ever crashed a wedding before? No. Well, not me, at least. No. Okay. All right. I feel like I it was it was a blast, man. I don't know. I if once you get over the fact that you're probably going to piss off the bride, which is kind of an incentive, I'm not gonna lie to you. Uh like it's like, you know, you're like, not that I want to ruin anybody's day, but I mean, you know, I'm a I'm I'm pretty okay looking. I'm not gonna look too weird in the background of a photo. Uh, but uh it was a lot of fun. It was it was definitely like a lot of a lot of it was a good time. And plus I feel like it was like I don't know, reparations for having to pay for all my other friends' weddings, all those people who got divorced over the years. Like, uh, give back to me. I don't have to, I don't have to do anything then. Right. There's, there's always somebody that doesn't show up, John. So you just got to go in, look for the guest cards, pick up the one that hasn't been picked up towards the end. Absolutely. Good. Yeah. But if they're like an 80 year old relative, like, what did you stumble into a fountain of youth or I'm like, <laughs> yeah. I'm using a lot of creams. I got my hair dyed, <laughs> you know working on the whole thing yeah it was a lot of fun though i'm probably it was it was yeah it was too much fun i'm almost addicted i almost want to do it again but i know it's probably not a good idea well you know the, the volbeats once played a wedding did you really uh, I think we, we played, played i think we played a couple yeah. the one that we played um friend of ours got married you know said oh man i want you guys to want the volbeats to play at my wedding and you guys can just play whatever you want you know play i'm like you sure you don't want us to play certain things you know no man just do do your thing we're like, okay. So we go there, we do our thing. And afterwards, um, the bride's father comes up and he's this guy who, who kind of resembles Brando and the Godfather. And he comes up to me and he's like, with this other guy in a suit holding a trumpet. He's like, this is Rocco. Rocco's going to play trumpet and you're going to do the, uh, the theme from the Godfather. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, uh, they didn't tell us that we had to do that. What, what do you mean? Yeah. You don't know, you know, and all of a sudden it was like a, like a, you know, a problem. You he know? made you yeah. an offer you couldn't refuse. So my friend kind of set us up, you know, and, and, but the odd thing is that I'm a big Nino Rota fan and I do happen to know the song. I, wow. I know the da, 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 you know? Yeah. So I basically, I, I, I got the other guys away. I just got the drummer. I said, look, man, just follow me with a three, four beat, follow me on the guitar and, and Rocco here is going to play the trumpet. And we went on and it was the the daddy daughter dance to the Godfather oh, wow. thing. Oh my um, god. And it was a situation where, you know, uh uh you know, it it, it worked out okay. But it, you know, had I not been a big Nino Nino Rota fan, it might not have been okay. <laughs> Seriously. That was that had to be frightening, dude. It was well, it was a little uh, you know, I mean, you know, yeah, it was a little strange, but it worked it's out. So Especially for the daddy daughter dance, I feel like people's the amount of weddings that I've been to where I don't real I don't think the mother or the father of each either party realizes that like you should pick a song that's not particularly creepy for everybody else in the room. Like I've been at weddings where like like you know it'll be like the the mother mother son dance or whatever, and then like she'll pick like a country song about like stealing her baby away. I'm like. Do you want to fuck your son or do you want to get like what is the what is actually happening here? Like everyone's like, God, this song she knows what this song is about, right? Like, it's the weirdest mm -hmm. shit. But I've never been the Godfather theme. That is a lot of pressure. 
Well, and yeah, if, yeah, it was it was strange, but uh, you know, like every experience we ever have when we go out into the world is strange. So you sure, know, just, yeah, yeah. Do you, <laughs> as we like, do you guys enjoy taking a gig weird gig? Like, do you know when a weird gig is coming up where you're like, we're doing it because it's weird, uh, or or do you guys try to steer away from stuff that you think is going to put you in mortal danger? <laughs> You answer this, Jeff, because for me, I, I can't differentiate between weird and normal at this point. So what do you think, Jeff? I don't know. If Matt thinks it sounds good, we usually do it. So it's about nice. as good as you should do. <laughs> so, blame blame whether, me. Blame whether me. I want to or not. So that's good. <laughs> yeah, I guess, I guess that's true. Yeah, yeah. That's pretty great. Yeah, I guess it's good to have somebody who's like, who's the go-to or like, Hey, are we doing this thing? Cause if you say we're doing it, then we're all in. And then if it goes South, you're like, why would you fucking make us yeah, do? Exactly. That's pretty great. I'm sorry, Matt. That's gotta be rough. <laughs> well, well, we do, we do. I'm, I'm trying to think a weird gig. What a weird gig. Weird, weird. Oh boy. Played a rest home. That was kind of weird. That oh, was wow. weird. Yeah. That was weird. We played. Yeah. It was, it was like a nursing home and, and, uh, one of the guys in the band at that point uh, wanted us to play because his grandfather was in there, and um, okay. and we went, and they really they really appreciated what we were doing. We came in in their early days. We were more like a skiffle band. We'd go in with just all acoustic guitars and go in and invade places, you know. So we <laughs> we we invaded this nursing home at the request of the guy whose grandfather was in there. And the people there really appreciated it. But I remember <laughs> there was this one old lady while Jeff was trying to sing, she kept coming up to Jeff and telling Jeff to, to cut off that little hospital band around her yeah. arm, you know, get this off of my arm. Throughout the set, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that oh. Was a little oh, God, that's hilarious. Oh, my God. They're like, set us free. Yeah. <laughs> um, like that Twilight Zone episode where they're all like, you know, kids again or some shit yeah. in the hospital or the old folks home. Kick, That's wild. Kick the can. Kick yeah. the can. Yeah, man. Oh, my God. That is fucking yeah. nuts. I don't think I've ever played. No, I, I played a retirement community once as a stand. And that was hilarious because it like, you know, they, they had like this weird setup. Everybody was like, you know, 70s, 80s or whatever the hell it was. And then uh, they couldn't hear me. Like no matter what, there was like giant speakers, but they were still like between the clanking of the food they were eating and all the intermingling going on. And I'm trying to, you know, like I was like 20 something years old. I was taking whatever gig I could get. Hmm. Nobody gave a fuck and nobody could hear me. And I was just, and then after they would be like, that was very nice. What you did. Do you going to get a regular job? Or I'm like, I guess. I, I don't know. Now I actually had the weirdest. So I do a lot of uh, casino style things. So we had a gig at, a, at an old age home. And they were like, oh, we need one table on the on the um, like the Alzheimer's ward. So they put one table there. So I said, you know what? I've dealt with that in my, you know, in my life. My grandmother had a form of dementia. So I'm like, I'll go do it. I can handle this. I'll be fine. I'll let all my other guys do the regular floor. So I go down there. I'm dealing blackjack. Super sweet. Everybody was very nice. It was what it was. But this one woman kept saying, I'm going to take take off my top. I'm going to show you my boobies. I'm like, please don't, man. <laughs> oh, <okay. laughs> I was like, I didn't know what to say. I was like, there's, oh. no, there's nothing I could do here. At least everybody else oh. in that ward has the benefit of forgetting about it by the next day, you know? But you, that would have stayed with you forever. Yeah. I had I had a similar experience one time. A friend of mine and I had to, um, well, we had to commit one of our associates to a um, mental hospital. And, uh, oh. you know, so I, I went along for the ride for some reason against my better judgment, you know. Gotcha. And when we got in there, you know, um, you know, the... Uh, the guy who was, you know, we were trying to 
help him out from, you know, getting himself in trouble kind of, you know, yeah. but we got him in there and they immediately, you know, he went, he freaked out. And then I walked into this room and I was with a bunch of other people that had just been dropped off. And then I had like, um, a very bizarre older lady with no teeth accosting me and, you know, <laughs> trying, trying to, you know, it was, it was, it was very, uh, yeah. You know, that, that was weird. Well, I thought um, you were going to say that you were, mis you were going to be mistaken for one of the. <laughs> no, that happened. That happened to me too. That oh happened to different, a different mental hospital. Oh my God. No, I'll, I'll tell you this. I, I'll tell oh, you, this. Please. we have time to tell you the story, but yeah, I was, yeah. I was driving back to Detroit from Lansing in a van and my van broke down like the alternator went out or something and in, on a freeway halfway between Lansing and Detroit, which is really the middle of nowhere. Mm -hmm. yeah. And so the van I pulled, I just pulled it over, it slowed down and I got out, grabbed the book I was reading, um, which was Beneath the Underdog by Charles Mingus. Nice. And I just walked down the freeway. And then eventually I found some guys fixing a sign and I said, Hey, can you guys give me a ride into town? And they're like, real weird dudes but they're like yeah sure so i hopped in the back of their pickup and we're driving and i just suddenly just had a really like not a good feeling about these guys mm -hmm. so i just knocked on the window i saw a um what looked like like a like a manor kind of an estate or something looked like oh. civilization so i said hey man just drop me off here and they're like oh okay so i got off of the truck walked to the building it turned out it was a mental hospital like this estate <laughs> that was a mental hospital and so then I walk in, you know, dressed like this, probably, you know, just, just walk it, walk in. I'm like, Hey man, my, my van broke down. I don't have a cell phone. It was just year, years ago, like 20 years ago before, you know, I don't know if, if nobody had cell phones or if I did, just didn't have one, but, <laughs> so great. but I said that before anybody had cell phones, I would have been like, yeah, sure. You don't buddy. Yeah. But, but so I walk in and I'm telling belt. them, Hey, yeah. I'm like, hey, can you call AAA for me, man? Can you call the, you know, get a, get a, a tow truck to get my van? I've got to get it back to Detroit. Um, are you are you a, a patient here? No, 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 I'm I'm not a patient here. Are you sure? Are you sure you're not a patient here? And I'm backing away, and it got real weird. And they gradually realized I'm like, hey, I'm not a patient here. They gradually believed me, and then wow. I I made the call, and then I went outside, and I wait, and the you know I waited for the 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 tow truck to pick me up and then drive me back to my van. And as I went outside and, and sat down on the curb of this mental hospital, I, I just, I picked up the book to read it. And I opened it to the next page was the part of the book where Charles Mingus uh, has himself committed to Bellevue. Oh my and, God. Wow. And it was like the next page in the book. I'm reading this story about how Charles Mingus went to Bellevue when he couldn't sleep for a whole week. And he's like, you guys got to let me in. You got to let me in here. You know, I got it. And they're like, you don't want to come in here. Just go home. And then he bugs the security guard all night. And finally, the guy's like, all right, I, I got to go get get off work. I'll let you in. They, they let him in. The men in white coats grab Mingus. He's like, let me out of here. <laughs> anyway, I'm sitting on the curb reading that whole chapter, you know, in the middle. of Anyway, but the tow truck finally came and then they towed it back to Detroit. I got it fixed in two hours. It was like the whole incident had never happened. Everything oh, was wow. wow. Yeah, it was crazy. That's a great fucking story, though. I love it. It is a great story. One of, those, one of those weird things is I feel like whenever I would watch something or read something from, like, way back in the day, like, way, way back in the day, people would always hope to break down in front of a house or something like that. We're like, oh, thank God, the car, is we're in a residential area. Now, I've been in situations where I thought I was going to run out of gas, and I'm always like, please do not let me break down next to that fuck barn 
in the corner. You know what I mean? Like, because it yeah. always looks like I'm always in like a rural area, someplace I don't want to be. I know it's a red state. I'm like, I don't know what's happening, but not yeah. here. Middle of nowhere. Oh, that is wild, man. Well, the rural, yeah, and the rural parts of Michigan, it's like, yeah, I was, uh, it, you know, where I, where my van broke down was Howell, Michigan, which is a pretty, mm. uh, pretty weird, um, in you know, as far as, uh, you know, guy like me walking down the street, you know, <laughs> it's it just kind of like, I don't fit in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I totally, I totally understand that. Anytime. The uh, um, one of my best friends comes on the road with me all the time and she opens for me. Her name is Joanne Filan. She's she's lesbian. She's married. She always wear, you know, you can just she always wears like, you know, just stuff where you can tell like she's not hiding it. I look like I look. And then every time we're in the middle of the country, we literally have people turn there because I'm sometimes I'm in leather, you know, whatever it is. And it's never been more of a we don't lock strangers in these parts types of situations where we're like, why do we do this to ourselves? Let's just eat in the hotel room. <laughs> like, yeah. and let's keep the car running and get the fuck out of here as soon as possible. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it's always crazy. That's awesome, though. Um, do you guys, when you were younger, I'm going to go back a little further. Were you, did you know you were going to be musicians? Did you have other aspirations? Like, what was your, like, trajectory into music? Jeff? Um, I would say the beginnings of it were like, uh, as we're, me and Matt were in, uh, choirs together, a choir together in high school. And then, oh, uh, nice. and then he, he started pursuing, uh, was in, uh, like punk bands and stuff like that. And then, uh, eventually I thought, well, maybe I'll get involved in this also. And then so eventually we all, we both, the two, you know, we got to get te kind of teamed up, but we, we knew each other from high school basically. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's pretty cool. And you always wanted to be in a band, like that's just it. It was choir, and then you wound up going straight into punk bands, or did you have any other aspirations? Well, for me, I mean, I don't. I, when I when I first met Jeff, he wasn't playing in bands when I met him. But I, I started pretty young. I think I was playing. I started playing in bands maybe when I was, I don't know, maybe thirteen or fourteen or something. Wow. And, um, you know, I I rather quickly decided that that was what I liked doing. Before that, I kind of, I just, I was really, you know, wanting to be a filmmaker. I wanted to get into that. I was really into, uh, you know, not just like, you know, all the great movies and foreign cinema, but I was really into like Ray Harryhausen, you know, I thought oh, yeah. if, I could, if I could make a movie with a cheap looking, you know, clay stop motion thing running around, I, you know, oh, I had yeah. aspirations to do those type of things, but you know, I even went to film school in the eighties for, but you know, I just oh, wow. got to a point where you know, it was um, making movies was it was expensive to develop film and it's difficult to work with people in, the, in those contexts. And so that mm. just that stuff became more difficult. But making records with people was easier and cheaper, you know. Right. Yeah. Like, like you could you could make a record real, you know, if you, for very little money, you could go and record and stuff. And, and it just I don't know, it just sort of, um, you know, by the time I was out of high school, I knew I was gonna just do music i mean but I, I still thought about doing other things but as time went on i just became more and more one-dimensional you know and just gotcha. became very you know just everything focused on music and you know yeah. cool so the accessibility of like making a record like easily or maybe less expensive than the other thing was is what led you to think like oh they, we we could actually be something like we could actually make it and make money in the industry no 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 it just made i just thought that you know after getting out of film school i just thought there's no way on earth, you know, I made, I made these little avant-garde films where, you know, of a, 
you know, an eight millimeter study of a, of a, an exploded shoelace factory that, you know, of just details, you know, a long film where nothing happens. I thought, you know, it's going to be very hard to raise thousands of dollars to do this, you know, right. when it, but I, but yeah. I can, I can probably con somebody out of a couple grand to go record this rock band. <laughs> you know, I mean, so it just became practical, but you know, so the film thing, but also when I was interested in film, that was when, you know, film was sort of really going out of vogue and everyone was switching to video. So it was hard to get the film developed. It became very complicated. And right. I just got discouraged with that, you know? So I got discouraged with film at the same time that I got more and more caught up with music and, you know, and then the, the thing about the Volbeats was I played in a whole bunch of bands, but the Volbeats was the first band I played in where when I listened back to the music, I just thought, you know, this is the first band I've been in where I really feel like we're, making music that's as good as our record collection yeah, it's yeah. like like something's happening here you know yeah yeah and i remember the first time i listened to you guys it sounded like i mean I, I obviously i came into you guys a little bit later but like it was it just sounded like you already like from that first album you were already established you already belonged you fit into the genre like you fit right into the genre of music that i already kind of like and like to listen to and it was one of those things where i felt like i've been listening to these guys forever and it was it was the first time i listened to your first album and then uh you also have like um this kind of quality where like i feel like when you're driving and listening to your music like you feel like you're in a like you're in your the movie of your life you know what i mean so like mm -hmm. the lyrics kind of blend in with whatever's going on in the scenery in the background whether you know no matter where i am if i'm at a party and your music comes on or if i'm i'm driving and i hear it i'm like yes this is my scene <laughs> <laughs> like, and things are happening it's it's really cool man thank you Thanks. Well, yeah, the, I think that, you know, what, you know, the, the movie thing, I think there's definitely, you know, at least for my contribution to the band, I, I, there's definitely the frustrated filmmaker uh, vibe coming mm -hmm. into play with what, whatever we're doing is, is probably, uh, you know, that's, you know, that's, and we, and we've done, you know, we've always wanted to do like soundtracks and things like that, uh, but we, and we've recorded a lot of instrumentals, but you know, nobody's ever, used them <laughs> oh, uh. we, we have yet. a solid tip for you yeah because we had another person on that that uh they they are in a lot of soundtracks and they find that naming it the simplest thing possible like looking for my girlfriend is the name of the track yeah they're that lazy like the music pr pr uh, directors in the movie that they'll type in looking for a girlfriend song yeah and it pops up and then wow. they're like oh i like this There's one a Really? Yeah, a, there, there's there's friends of ours we had on a couple times. Roses and Revolutions is the name, um, and her name is Alyssa. And she was like, "Yeah, we wound up hearing uh, the first time we got our songs in TV shows was because they were literally googling like you know washing the or whatever the hell it was, and that's what came in. But if you listen to the actual lyrics, she's like, doesn't make sense for the scene. <laughs> she's like, it's not yeah. at all what what it's about. But she's like, we don't care. So then she was yeah. like. We're just gonna name our fucking songs <laughs> like you know whatever so not a bad idea but you guys did make it into into movie soundtracks stuff like that right you were in shop girl shop girl yeah yeah yeah, yeah. was that the first that wasn't the first time though right i think, I think that that's was. the that, that might be our only song that's in a movie isn't it yeah but I've we're heard... actually we're actually in the film yes you are awesome. that i do know yeah yeah you guys are both in it too that's not, i think i think uh there's another song of yours in a in a tv show um I, I swear to God, I just heard it like the other day, like before you guys uh, came on. Really? I was like, oh my God, I thought that was kind of serendipitous. Wow. I will find out what it is though. Maybe you guys aren't getting any, if you're not getting any money from it, we'll we'll get them. 
Okay. Um, <laughs> yeah, I won't find it. Swear to God, I literally just heard it like the other day. That's wild. Um, wow. But yeah, you guys are actually in the. How did that come about? Um. Well, it, 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 you, yeah, you said Jeff. Yeah. That uh, the director of the film, I think it was named Ann Tucker. He yeah. uh, he was looking for a certain kind of genre of music, kind of Americana, that kind of thing, and uh, he had a friend recommend us. Uh, gave him one of our CDs and. Uh, then they, you know, eventually contacted us and went from there. With nice. e e emphasis on eventually, because um, <laughs> it was he had a real hard time finding us, and fortunately, he found a guy that we had made a we had put out a record with that was, uh, you know, uh, you know, friendly to us, you know, and and uh, you know, got a hold of us and passed along the information. But uh, yeah, they, they had trouble finding us. Is you know, this was. Wow. Um, you know, this is these were the days before we had a MySpace page or anything. You know, we were yeah. still right. grappling with the digital age. You know, so uh, so it was sort of like he, you know, he, he just managed to get a hold of us before they, you know, started working on the film. And he was just uh, the director was determined to have us in the movie. Yeah, and he was real adamant about it. And um, you know, yeah, it really went. He went really went to bat for us. And uh, and it, you know anyone that was kind of skeptical that you know they they were like yeah okay i guess i can see what you're saying you know after they heard it enough they liked it so it it, it ultimately worked out really well yeah well what he's referring to without us drawing litigation or no there was, there was one <laughs> one person in the film who i think you know one actor that was maybe a little worried about being in a band like who, who is this band i've never heard of you know and like you know kind of like why are you getting them when you could get one of these other bands, you know? And, um, you know, oh, so I hope it wasn't anybody we like. <laughs> I can't say who it was, but whoever it was, she, she came around later and was like, oh, you know, you guys are great. I'm, you know, oh, okay, was, okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's but, really cool. I mean, it fits the fun. scene perfectly. Like, there's no, like, I was pumped when I actually saw you guys in it. I remember getting, I remember going to see that movie, uh, with a girlfriend at the time and I was like, I didn't know what it was going to be, but you know, I figured it wasn't going to be something I was like overly, but it was, it was a great movie. And then I saw you guys in it too. And I was like, well, now this is just great. <laughs> this is just even better. I was like, Oh, like that's, I know that I know them. Well, I don't know you guys, but you know what I mean? Uh, it's always cool to see it. What is your, like, cause I know, like, I love the lyrics to a lot of your songs. Um, are you guys who, who focus on the lyrics for Like, how does it come to you? Do you, do you do like, music first and then lyrics or do you come up with like what you want to sing what you want to say like are you lyrically inclined when writing I, music i write lyrics first usually but uh some of the songs with the volbeats we you know it it, it, it depends you know like some mm -hmm. of it like sometimes i'll write a, write a lyric and then write the music myself sometimes we'll just come up with music at practice and then Jeff will write a lyric. And sometimes Jeff comes in with a completely finished song. It oh, just wow. varies, you know? Right. Right. So there's yeah. not one particular way you want to, you, you have to write a song. Right. Or you'll have like a fragment of something that, you know, a phrase you like, and then you just work around that, you know, that's pretty cool. But I, I, I play in, in some other bands and have other projects over the years, but then, and then for most of those songs, they're generally the lyrics come first, you know, for, right. for my other stuff. But is there a particular the way you like to work? Uh, like having worked in all those other bands, is there one style that you've come become more accustomed to? No, nah, it's just, you know, with the Volbeats, it's interesting because we just, um, we've been doing it a long time. 
And sometimes we'll have period, we've had periods of inactivity over the years where we just didn't do much for a while. And then we'd get back together and there's new songs. We're like, Oh, you know, we've got something new. We got an idea here. You know, we've got this. Right. We've, and, um, you know, we, uh, you know, it, when we get, get it back together, the sound is there. It's like the band, it's just, there's a sound. Um, so it's almost like the band just sort of, when we started it, it quickly became this kind of entity where we, you know, we had various personnel changes over the years and people would mm -hmm. come and go, but the sound of the band, it has this sound that's like kind of bigger than, than anything that any of us individually would think of. Right. It reminds me of some sort of like, you know, it reminds me a little bit of something like King Crimson with Robert Fripp. You know, he's had all these different people in it, but sure. he's, de he's described King Crimson as this entity that just kind of draws people in and they kind of serve the entity and it's this thing. And that's kind of how the Volbeats feels, you know, it's like when we get in the room and start doing it, the sound just, you know, the, the sound fills the room and we're like, there it is, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's, that's it's, awesome. It's kind of strange, you know, it's, it's always been kind of strange. Yeah. But that's great that you guys can separate and like come back together and stuff. Cause I love, so one of the things I like about this album and I was, uh, I don't know if it has anything to do. I think I was talking to Jeff a little bit about it before backstage, just a lonesome galaxy, but a lot of the songs, I don't know if they were inspired by what we've gone through in the last couple of years. I don't know if my brain is making, uh, connections. Cause you know, we all look for like random patterns and stuff, but were you, uh, did this come out through the pandemic did this come out of or did you already have these songs like lined up beforehand and then like what was the impetus to do a whole new album and where did like the the name and the songs come from um well they, they were we had the album finished let's see we started recording when did we start recording this jeff was it like the, i don't about, know exactly but um uh, i don't remember the year exactly but it was we the previous record came out in 2010 mm-hmm and uh, the the double LP, the the one the self titled double LP, yeah. and about two years after that, we started recording new material. And at that point, everyone in the band's living in different cities. Um, we we live in Detroit, but a couple of the guys are out of town. Uh, we just started, you know, working on the material and recording it in in these little bursts of activity. And then there'd be like a long period where we were away from it, and so it took a long time to finish it. And then um, we had it done well before the pandemic. But what, what really hung us up was that we, we couldn't figure out the we, we had more than 10 songs. We had all these tunes and we didn't know what the order should be. We didn't have the song, the title of the album and we didn't have artwork. And we literally spent about two or three years meeting up every few weeks to argue about artwork. <laughs> and we just had these artwork meetings and uh jeff can tell you more about that but uh it was mainly jeff bringing in things and uh saying no and everything got rejected <laughs> and we just and so what ultimately happened was uh after the pandemic started and everything and everything really ground to a halt yeah um our guitar player uh you know he just he, he he's in california he grew up with ben harper and you know he's so he knows the volbeats through him and he just sure. he heard some of the stuff and he was like who's putting this out he's like we don't have anybody putting it out yet he's like oh well i just started a new label so oh, all wow. of a sudden so but it was ben that went through the tracks and kind of gave us his impression of what the a sides were and what the b sides were okay and his attitude was you know don't make it a double album just cut out these b sides and make it all a sides and we were like 
wow, we never thought of that, you know, because <laughs> you know, our previous album was a double album. So I think we just started to think of ourselves as, you know, I mean, maybe we thought our, our next album should be like Sandinista by The Clash, you know, well, well why can't we do three? You know? <laughs> so we just, we were, all, we couldn't, we couldn't visualize doing a single album and cutting out the songs. But then when someone outside the band said, leave this off, leave that off, we all just were like, oh yeah, that's a good idea. And the, and the minute we agreed to that, all of a sudden, I kind of, I came up with an idea for the the title and the artwork, and then uh, my friend Ava East, who's a musician and artist here, she you know did the artwork really quickly. She just like you know came up with that, and um, you know, and the con the concept, you know, being the whole artwork concept and everything revolving around the pandemic, you know, right? The, yeah. the idea that we all feel we're, we're all on the moon now, you know, we're yeah, all in, absolutely, yeah. And, yeah. and so that I felt like, like the, the, and the tone of the songs, you know, maybe that's the order it came together. We, we adapted the album to what's going on in the world, I guess you could say, you know, and he and definitely has that feel. And it, and it's, and it's crazy because sometimes like I've talked to people who've just come out with something and they're like, literally like, I think it just happened to be that way accidentally. I don't know. Mm -hmm. There's there's, but I do like, like, I think you're right. Like the order of it definitely feels like, I don't know. I guess maybe because it's like I said, it's all in our minds and like it's such a pre it's still present in what's going on. But I like it a lot. It it, it works well with uh, the current kind of dystopian time I think we're living in. So I just love it. And the artwork is great. Who did the who did the artwork you said was uh, her, her name's Ava East. Ava East. OK, yeah, cool. she's she's in a, in a band in Detroit called Shadow Show. She's a singer, songwriter, guitar player. And and she works with me on my solo material, too. I have a solo project. That, uh, oh, sweet. So um uh, but yeah, she's a really, really good artist and she just, you know, I think, she, you know, I sort of told her the concept I was thinking of, you know, I just, I have this idea of, of an astronaut, astro guitarist who's playing guitar in space, isolated, you know, and, and she just, you know, knocked it out right away. Fantastic, man. That's so cool. Um, are you guys plan? you guys are going back out on tour eventually? Or are you coming, are you thinking of going back out on tour? What's the plan for how, like, how do you promote this at this point? Because I know everybody's a little kind of shaky and shaky ground after the, after the pandemic coming back out on the road and stuff. So are you guys like looking forward to doing something like that or? Well, we're, we're looking forward to playing live, but at the moment we haven't, we've played a, a couple of Detroit gigs this year. We played oh. one big, one big outdoor show and we played one, you know, like indoor show where we demanded that everyone wear masks and they did. Nice. Uh, but uh, I mean, I don't know about the other guys, but I'm still pretty paranoid about the whole COVID thing and everything. So I'm not really in a hurry to get in a van and go play all over the place right now. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But, you know, at some point I want, we, you know, we want to get back into getting, you know, playing other cities. We want to do that. And uh, yeah, so, you know, we're ready. We're, we're ready to do it. We just, uh, we just have to do it. But in the meantime, we're, uh, we're trying to figure out how the internet works. We're trying to figure out how do people, <laughs> how do people, you know, sort of get their thing through this avalanche of information for yeah. people to actually notice it and pay attention to it. And so, you know, we've been really, you know, just kind of, uh, you know, kind of trying to figure that out. We haven't figured it out, but we're working on that <laughs> in the meantime. And, uh, you know, at some point we'll, uh, we, you know, we want to get back to playing some, playing some other cities and, you know, doing that again. You got your your Instagram account, the Volbeats Instagram account is fucking great. You guys are crushing it. I don't know which one of you is running it, but it's uh you, you guys have all the photos and the pictures up and videos and you were on top of stuff. 
Well, it's because it's not us. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's, <laughs> it's it's our guitar player, Peter. Peter is doing that. Yeah. And and Peter Peter Andrus, our guitar player, who's been playing with us for ten years, uh, he lives in Los Angeles, and um, he's uh, you know he works in um, he works in film in film and stuff, but he's a, a, a musician. He plays. Um, He's played with a bunch of uh, Los Angeles bands, and he also plays with uh, a band called the Divine Horsemen out of Los oh, Angeles. Sweet. Yeah, so he plays with them too, and um, uh, you know. But he's like, um, you know, I guess you know because he he's a you know works in the film industry and stuff. He's like more able to like turn on a computer and figure out what's happening than we are. <laughs> oh man, <laughs> so, yeah. a lot. I was, at it, yeah. <laughs> I was like, they're selling themselves short. They've been crushing it lately on Instagram. I'm like following all the clips and watching no, no, all the stuff. No, Peter. Told, I mean, I, I'll sort of help Peter out with, you know, selecting photos and writing little captions and stuff, you know, so we're, we're in communication on all of it, but, nice. but he's just really, um, you know, he's like really, really together on that, you know? So that's the first time that we've had any kind of internet presence. I mean, you mm. know, that do you is. guys feel like you would do streaming? Because I know a lot of people had mixed feelings about it. I mean, I had mixed feelings about doing stand up on the on the on the Zoom shit or whatever. But mm -hmm. I feel like music's a little different. Would you guys stream your stuff? Would you do like a live streaming concert? Do you think it would work? You know, we would do anything like that. I mean, it's just if somebody suggested something, you know. I mean, I, I mean, we hadn't thought really thought about that. You know, I mean, we we yeah, we might do stuff like that. Um, yeah, there's no reason why we wouldn't. You know. Hmm. That'd be cool, right? Twitch is a good place for that too, because Twitch it embraces like the artist community, and yeah. they understand how to support and this and that. So we we have seen a lot of people like through pandemic were making their way on there, playing, being supported by fans. So it was really cool. We actually have a fan of yours in that that uh, saying yes, social media uh, has been great, loving the history. And she also had a question: Was Jeff a theater kid? No. <laughs> and that's no. the end of that that was quick <laughs> what was he what was he if, if he wasn't a theater thing? yeah yeah that's right what was your no, I, I think as far as the the aside from the choir thing is just yeah we i just got into a lot of uh you know 60s music a lot of british bands and all that and then mm. american um bands and eventually into con you know con older country and nice. uh through that, you know, you just kind of, you know, kind of like, well, I'm already doing this, you know, I've done some of the singing. So that's the, you know, kind of just try to, I don't know, emulate your heroes kind of thing, I guess, somewhat, you know. Yeah. I was just about to ask you, yeah, who who did you try to, who did you emulate in the beginning? I don't know. Uh, Beatles, Stones, that kind of thing. Johnny yeah. Flash, Yardbirds, Kings. He, kind of Keith thing. Ralph. He was into Keith Ralph. Keith Ralph. Yeah. <laughs> Nice. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, that's actually, you know, then, you go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no, no. No, no, no. I was going to say, is it something as a vocalist? Like, do you, because I, you know, it's always dangerous for a comedian to, to, to emulate somebody for too long. Is yeah. it the same? Do you feel like for, for a vocalist, like if you're, do you ever feel in the beginning when you're starting out, like, okay, I got to really find my own voice, you know what I mean? Or whatever. Or, or how does that work? Yeah, well, I think I think if you you can kind of try to emulate it, but you're probably not going to hit it exactly anyway. So it, it mm. you know, hopefully it will be uh, your own, you know. And I yeah. Think yeah. The more you do it, uh, the the more you uh, kind of get get your own sound. Yeah. What yeah. was your? Uh, did you guys have an aha moment where you were like, okay, we need to join forces immediately? Like you were friends. You said you met in the choir, but like, 
what was the impetus to start the band? Well, what it was, was he, he's, he, it was one summer, I think it was the summer of 86. And I was home from, you know, just, uh, from film school, you know, and, you know, just making all, you know, trying to make these weird eight millimeter films and whatever. And, <laughs> and, you know, he came over to my house and was like, you know, and, and he knew that I had an upright bass mm -hmm. and, he was like, Hey man, let's do some music with the upright bass and I'll play a washboard and let's get together with a couple other guys. You know, one of the guys, uh, uh, was this guy, Terry Rome, that was, uh, his, a drummer in another band that he played in, but Terry Rome was writing songs. And we thought, well, you know, Jeff kind of came up with the whole idea of let's get together and play acoustically. And, you know, he came over to bug me to put strings on my upright bass thing is I had this upright bass that when I was a kid, I found it in my grandmother's attic. There was an attic full of all kinds of weird stuff. And there was this upright bass sitting there. And so I was in high school, I, I, I put the strings on it and I just practiced along with the first Devo album and learned how to play it. <laughs> nice. and, and so I knew how to play the upright bass, you know, uh, at least knew how to play Devo songs on it. Yeah. So, uh, but then the strings came off. So Jeff came over and was like, hey, man, let's get the strings on that upright. And then the next thing I knew, I was we, we were jamming and I'm playing upright bass. So I was the upright bassist for a while. And mm -hmm. then um, after, after various personnel changes and various things happening, I kind of got moved to guitar, you know, started doing more vocals and writing, you know. Uh, but yeah, but that's how it started was, uh, you know, you know, just him bugging me to put strings on this bass. Damn. And for both of you, when you was there a moment where you guys felt like you were good to go, like where you didn't feel like you were, um, you know, uh, I guess I guess what I'm saying is like, was there a moment you were on the road where you're like, oh, we have this, like we have everything down pat. We got the band, we got the songs, we got whatever. And you felt secure in what you were doing. No. <laughs> no, I, I think part of the part. No, I, honestly, it's a good question. You know, the thing is, when we started, we knew mm. we were really tapping into something. Yeah. And then, you know, our original two songwriters we had in the band, which was uh, Terry Rome and uh, Jeff's brother, Al, they were both mm. writing songs and they were writing really, really interesting stuff. And then they ended up out of the band through a strange set of circumstances. And then we ended up having to play a gig without them oh. at this place called Lily's in Hamtramck in, in, in the geographic center of Detroit. And, uh, I remember we had to play this gig without our principal songwriters. And we just were like, wow, we know those guys are gone. We got to get through this gig. And we went up there, you know, really without being able to have all, you know, have all, you know, fire all cylinders, you know, it's me and Jeff and whoever else, we just had to go up and wing it. And we went up and the audience, you know, accepted us. It wasn't bothered by the absence of the other guys. And we kind of looked mm. at each other, like, how did that, how did that happen? So that's how we kept doing it. It was that people actually liked yeah. what we were doing. Right. And so we just, and then we were working on an album and we just started writing more songs. Ah, we got to finish this album we're working on. You know, so it just, it, you know, so we knew from the beginning we had something going and then we just, well, we might as well keep going. But the, the more we, the more we did it, we'd have moments in the studio where we'd listen back and we'd be like, wow, this, you know, something's happening here. Mm -hmm. but you know playing on the road was always um you know we played a lot of a lot of great gigs and stuff but there was always uh being on the road could be kind of stressful we you know we had sure. a lot of um you know just 
it, it wasn't, uh, you know, it, we, we never had a moment where, where everything was working for us in terms of like, you know, having, you know, we never had a proper road manager or a manager. Mm-hmm. We never had like any kind of organization. We just had like these labels that were putting out our records, but mm-hmm. we didn't always, you know, we weren't always getting the support we felt we we needed to you know and but when we got offered good gigs this band whiskey town took us on the road for two whole u.s tours and we played all over the whole country wow. so there were there were people in bands that were doing better than us that wanted people to hear us you know and sort of, yeah. sort of would drag us along and you know like come on and so we did some of that but um it was always just the timing with you know record company you know trying to get the record out we were just always dealing with these kind of, um, I don't know, just bizarre situations. And so, you know, there wasn't the kind of, uh, you know, flow to the activities that some of these other bands, you know, were possibly experienced. I mean, it's, it's, it's hard for every, it's a hard work for everybody, but sure. it, it just was chaotic. There was a lot of chaos. And then we sort of ret- get back to Detroit in a state of chaos and then eventually make another record. And so it just, um, you know, we never, we never had a moment like, oh man, things are going great. It's always been this struggle, mm-hmm. but yeah. the reason that we forget that it's a struggle is because we just, oh wow, this is a good song. Wow, let's keep doing. You know, so ultimately, it's it's always been about the music. You know, but uh, but yeah, it's it's definitely um, you know, we have fun doing it, but it's you yeah. know, it's it's been a uh, you know, it's it's, it's a journey. It's a journey, yeah. Yeah, so the, the 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 adventure has sometimes been fraught with chaos, and you know, that's, <laughs> but that's, but I'm not complaining. I mean, you know, yeah. I'm sure that it is like that for. You know, I mean, I know a lot of other bands that are more well known than us that have way more chaos than us. So I'm not going to complain. You know, right, right. Yeah. yeah. Were your families cool with it when you guys decided to go like, that? You were going to break it to them that you were going to on the road, going to be in a band. That's how you're going to make a living. Um, I think there was, you know a little resistance when I was really young. Mm. Like when I started playing bars when I was a teenager, uh, they, they, they think they didn't like that, but they, yeah. you know, you know, I mean, it, it, when you're growing up in Detroit, uh, most of the musicians in Detroit from that are our age, I don't know how it was with Jeff, you know, you know, but, but for a lot of us, you know, it was just not just family, but just, there was a lot of discouragement if you were mm. going to be a musician, you know, like, you know, like, what do you mean? You're, you're not going to work in the factory, you know, you're not going to, you uh, know, or some kids from other backgrounds, oh, you're not going to go to college, you know. I mean, it was sort of like, you know, from, you know, me starting as a teenager in the late 70s, you know, it was an atmosphere of discouragement, you know. And if you were a musician, people in Detroit, they didn't really look kindly on musicians, um, especially after Motown left. You know, Motown right, left yeah. here in 1972. So if you were a musician, man, it was just like, you know, people just didn't want to hear about it, you know? So it was, it was kind of like, there was a general aura of discouragement about it. I felt, you know, yeah. I mean, well, it's, certainly, by, uh, it's like trying to light matches underwater or something like that. That's what, yeah. That's what, that's what our, yeah. Our, our old, our old late friend, Larry Rosa said, uh, <laughs> trying to do a musical endeavor in Detroit is like trying to light a match underwater. Wow. <laughs> and I it's like that's what he said but it was that's how it how it felt and uh you know this has changed nowadays i mean you know 
by the late nineties, you know, people were paying attention to Detroit, paying attention to a lot of bands and things right. going on here. But, yeah. but man, it was when, when we started, it wasn't like that, man. It was like, I mean, when I started, it was like, you know, the Motown thing was gone. And then there were still some labels in Detroit that were doing disco records. And after the disco wow. thing got, de got demonized in the late seventies, then all that shut down. And, uh, you know, after the Stooges yeah. and MC5 broke up, the only bands that were playing around Detroit were cover bands. So if oh, you were, wow. if you were a band in the seventies doing original material, you could not get a gig, you know, like Holy any shit. Yeah. You couldn't play anywhere. And so then eventually the punk rock scene happened. And then there were these little bars in like little, like, you know, on down some dangerous street where you were taking your life in your hands to go to a gig. And those were bars where they would let you do an original material. They're like, yeah, we'll let you do what you want. You know? So the, the punk rock clubs, it became, by the eighties, there were this, this little, there was this circuit of little bars where you could play, you know, no one was making any money and no, you know, right. nothing was happening, but you could go on and play original material and you Damn. wouldn't be thrown out for not playing the top 40, you know? Wow. That's crazy. I have no idea. Yeah. What about, what about you, Jeff? What was your family life like? Uh, very supportive actually. My, uh, yeah, my, my dad sung in school and so, and my mother encouraged me to do it. And, uh, and we rehearsed in their house for like a long time, you know, so they, mm -hmm. they put up with us doing that. And, uh, and so, yeah, I would say supportive, you know, they, and uh, as far as if we went on tour or didn't go on tour, you know, they were like, weren't against it. So. Oh, that's pretty great. Yeah. Did they come see you? Once in a while. Yeah. Nice. Once in a while. But I, uh, yeah, it wasn't, but I mean, I, I think they heard enough of us in the basement. They were hearing us there. <laughs> they didn't really need to hear, you know. Right. You know, and occasionally yeah, they're like, we yeah, get it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I kind of yeah. like the last one you did or something like that. <laughs> and I, should, I should qualify what I said earlier. You know, my parents were supportive, ultimately, oh, okay. you know, but, um, you know, but there was definitely, uh, you know, uh, at a certain point. I think there was a certain point where my mom realized, wow, you know, he really is good at this. I think, you know, it was nice. sort of like they were probably just worried that, you know, that we were just, uh, you know, pursuing, um, you know, a tough you know, business. Yeah. Chaos and poverty and madness. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> it was interesting what you said about Detroit, though, at that time. I didn't know that they, you guys like I didn't realize it. I mean, I think I knew it compartmentally, but I didn't know that Detroit literally went through all that music strife like back to back to back to back. When you guys had the, had the Volbeats, though, did you feel like you had a loyal fan base in Detroit, or did you feel like you had to leave and come back to get to get that fan base in in your hometown? Well, it it came and it it was up and down, you know. I mean, we, we were we've been around for a while, so you know there were people that dug it, but um, you know it wasn't uh, you know all the, all the bands when we started were struggling. I mean, it was you know. I mean, it was sort of like, you know, you'd play some gigs where, you know, you'd have a big crowd and people are really into it. And then the next week you'd play for like 10 people, you know, mm. or like like two weeks later. So it was, you know, and then by the 90s, the Detroit scene became a little more like um, like what was happening, like in New York in the late 70s, where you had all these bands like The Go and the White Stripes and yeah. The dirt bombs and um and this my, my other band outrageous cherry was playing through that and there were all these other bands um and then the whole situation changed and the whole outside world started paying attention 
And that's so by the late nineties, it really felt more like, like New York in the seventies, you know, there was this, this whole other thing. And there was um, just a whole other level of interest at home and elsewhere, you know, but, uh, but it was, yeah, but Detroit and, you know, all the way up to that point, it was really like, you know, we might as well have been living in Estonia or something, you know, I I mean, you know what I mean? (laughs) Yes. I got you. I mean, so, you know, I mean, I've never been to Estonia, but I'm just saying that I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm making an assumption. That and to is, all our Estonia viewers out there, by the way, Estonia, uh, not a shot. Well, no, I'm just saying that, you know, it's like, you know, like, you know, I can't tell any, I can't tell you what's in the Estonian top 10, you know, it's all sure. I'm saying, you know, <laughs> in the, on their charts this week. You know, so I don't think they can tell you either. It's isolated, you know? Yeah. 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 So, yeah. Do you in guys? Fact, in oh, fact, sorry. I have always felt. That in Detroit, you know, I, honestly, I identify with Eastern Europe, uh, hmm. like the, the the bands that came out of like Poland and Czechoslovakia and, and Yugoslavia, places like that. You know, I've always felt like we were kind of operating under similar conditions. And I actually listen to a lot of Eastern European music. I listen to like, you know, the Plastic People of the Universe and Budka Suflera and uh, Salatne, Zarota Salatne. Uh, Zlatne, you know, I, 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 so I feel like a, a kind of, um, kinship, a kinship with the, the groups that came from these kind of repressed places and yeah, isolated yeah. places. I feel that's where we come from. Nice. Yeah. You know, so that's what I meant when I brought up Estonia. That's what I'm trying to say. I got you. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, man. I didn't. Re- <laughs> like, <laughs> Have you guys ever gone over to Europe? Have you toured anywhere over there or played out in that area? Yeah. 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 yeah we went over there. Uh, I mean, we played We played in England. We played in Spain. Awesome. Where else? Is that all? Is that all? Canada. Is that it, Jeff? Where else do we play? Canada. We played Canada. There you okay. go. You got to play Canada. <laughs> yeah. Do you guys prefer the like the bigger venues, or do you prefer the more intimate setting so you could connect with the audience more? Um, oh, now they can Now they have to say connect with the audience. You can't just leave. Do you prefer uh, building <laughs> and making a connection with the people? What if they? What if I love the both energy like, of a tremendous no. crowd? Like, <laughs> well, I, I I don't know. I'm, I'm <laughs> you know I mean I recall us opening for Whiskey Town and playing our songs and having this audience. Right in our faces, just looking at us kind of indifferently, you know. <laughs> I mean, that's what I recall. Um, you know, no, I, I mean, I, I like any situation. I, I like any situation at all. But, you know, what surprised me was uh, about 10 years ago, I did a, a bunch of touring. This is also another reason why it took a long time to finish the record. Mm. Uh, because I was doing a lot of touring with Sixto Rodriguez. Okay. Uh, you know, from, you know, yep. and, uh, and so um, playing with him. You know, he's somebody I've known for a long time and we've played gigs, you know, here and there, through, you know, in Detroit. We played together. But uh, he took me on the road after the, the documentary won that Oscar. Mm-hmm. And all mm-hmm. of a sudden he was playing like these huge, huge places. And I was surprised how comfortable I felt the bigger the venue was. I mean, when, really? like when the venue was really big, it just felt so natural. Nice. And it finally, we played at Coachella. We played a couple of gigs at Coachella in front of wow. however many, which is like playing Woodstock. Massive. Right. Yeah. It literally is like Woodstock. You're looking yeah. out and you can't see where the people end. You know, it's just <laughs> a sea of people. And it just felt 
absolutely as natural as playing on a little stage when we would do our thing in Detroit. It, it just felt this. So it just playing like to a big audience. I felt the same kind of connection. I felt like, you know, this energy transference going on with the, I mean, you know, cause you hear people say, Oh, you know, you can't connect with a giant audience. I, I felt that I, that, that we did. I felt like connecting with a big audience. It just felt like this very natural thing. You know, it was, it was interesting, you know? Yeah. Jeff, do you have a preference? I think if you play a small place and it's packed, it's great. If you play, you know, a big right. place, yeah. some people there, that's good too. But I mean, it's like, yeah, it's just when you get the big place and there's, you know, 10 people, that's kind of a drag. Oh but, God. Yeah. yeah, I, yeah. Know. I hear yeah. you. Uh, I know yeah. I've been asking a lot of musicians these, Oh, sorry, Tom, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. I, well, oh, I have a couple questions. I want to try and start giving them from the audience. But go oh, right from ahead, the sorry. audience. Well, I was going to say, so I, I've been going up, you know, throwing out seeing more bands and stuff like that as this, as we've been, you know, having guests on and stuff like that too. I feel like, I don't know if, if you guys feel the same way. Cause you guys sound exactly the same. You've taken care of your voices. I don't know how hard it is to take care of, you know, vocals and stuff like that or whatever. But I feel like there's just this huge up and down with like all these fate. Like I just saw, um, I just went to see the who mm -hmm. and, uh, and you know, they, uh, Roger Daltrey, uh, and and um, Pete Townsend sound exactly the same, but I've gone to see other bands and I won't say, you know, who, whatever, but where I'm like, oh man, like, how is that? And they're around the same age too, but like, you know, and it, and they just lose their voice. Is it, do you guys do something to take care of your voices? Do you have a secret? You know what I mean? Like, cause there's no, I don't know. There, it's like from day one to now you guys sound the same. Well, I actually am very careful with my voice because I did lose my voice once. Oh shit. And it was back in the 90s, I think. Yeah, yeah. It was like the mid-90s. I, I think I had, you know, just um, was straining my voice, doing too many gigs. And then I did uh, some gig where I, I had the flu and I played a gig where there were no monitors. Blew my voice right out. And I literally lost my voice where I couldn't even talk, you know. Wow. And I had to go to a doctor. And he basically gave me a program of, you know, don't speak to anybody for weeks. Uh don't even whisper to people. And then gradually after a few weeks, like don't talk to anybody that's more than two feet away from you. I mean, I, I had to really be careful and, and just, you know, but what happened was, I suppose, I guess what it was, was that it developed some nodes or something. I don't, I don't really know what it was, but I had to rest my voice for quite a while and uh, like a couple months or something Damn. like that. And yeah. I, I really couldn't even talk and it was really strange. And then after I rested my voice for like whether I don't know if it was like six weeks or something. Uh, when my voice came back, it was a little higher than it had been for quite a while. Like I could hit some high notes that I couldn't hit before. Wow. But, I, but after my voice came back, I had more trouble hitting the low notes. Like if I want, like if I hit the low notes, that's where I could lose my voice if I wasn't careful was singing the low stuff. So it's, my voice sort of shifted a little bit. So ever since then, I've just really tried to take care of my voice and I'm just really careful to make sure I have monitors that work and, um, you know, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm careful about it, you know? Right. Right. What about you, Jeff? I'd say try not to strain it. And also, you know, we're, uh, with both me and Matt, we're not like smokers or anything like that. So I think that probably would contribute maybe. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's a good point. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, I know. I'm just curious about it too. Cause I've known, I've also like, and this may be like, uh, you guys probably know this obviously, but I was going again, seeing more live bands, stuff like that. I, I went to see, um, do you know the band Wolf Alice? Nope. I've uh, heard of them. I haven't heard of them. Really great band. I think you guys would like them. Um, so the lead singer, you know, I've noticed this 
you know, going out or whatever, but like you'll you'll listen to a song and then uh, it's sung a particular way when it's on the album and then I'll go see them live or see a band live or whatever. And you notice they don't do it. And I'm like, are you guys conscious about saving your voices when you're on the road versus when you're like, we got a TV gig to do. So I'm not going to do this note. I'm not going to I'm going to I'm going to change it around for the live performance because I've got bigger things coming up. Like, is that something you have to keep in mind? Well, I, I, I've seen people do that on stage. I can tell when they're doing it. Mm -hmm. um, so I, you know, I, I, I think we just, uh, you know, no, we, we've never, well, we, we've never had a rigorous enough touring schedule where we've had to do that. You know? Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. So, but, uh, you know, with us, it's just, um, mm -hmm. if we show up for rehearsal and we both sound like Tom Waits, <laughs> at two in the afternoon <laughs> we just take it easy we're like all right we're not gonna do good vibrations for this practice anyway. <laughs> well, I, sh I should i should mention that you know before the pandemic the last bunch of volbeats rehearsals before the pandemic uh, happened we just uh, we had these rehearsals where we were in limbo about what to do about the album and all we did was we'd, we'd show up for practice and we'd play like a whole side of a beatles album and then we, we worked out an arrangement of good vibrations by the Beach Boys, which sounds really good. So, I mean, yeah, it'd be nice if we got back on the road so we could, um, yeah, play that Beach Boys cover. Oh, my God, yeah. I, oh, but that yeah. would be that'd be incredible. Do you want to hit the uh, Q&A from the audience? Yeah, yeah. There, was a, there was a couple. Um, let's, so let's see. Here's a good one. I want to know when Mr. and Mrs. Oak's basement tapes is coming out. <laughs> uh, that's a good question. I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> I really thought of it, actually. But, there yeah. are tapes. There's there video. Cassettes. There's yes. Video. Yes. Oh, man. And what is your favorite band out of Detroit? Ooh. What's yours, oh, Jeff? Good question. Uh, right now, out of Detroit, there's a, there's a few uh, there's a few good bands uh, that I really like. I mean, there's um, the bands that I tend to go out and see uh, is that band Shadow Show that I mentioned earlier. Mm. There's another band called uh, Deadbeat Beat that I've actually produced and worked with. I've worked with both of those bands, actually. I always go to see them. But, but the band that is, um, I think, the best band I've seen in Detroit in a while, there's a band called The Black Man Review. And this uh, it's a, a funk band from Detroit that is just um, really, really, really good, you know, that has the, uh, you know, they're, they're just... Um, uh, kind of like early Parliament Funkadelic, and there's even people playing with them that have worked with George Clinton and those people. But nice. they're, they're 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 a band that a lot that people more people should know about. Sweet, yeah, yeah. yeah well, the Black Man Review, yeah. yeah Nancy's a lot. Matt goes to see a lot more bands than I do. I would I would say as far as old bands, uh, rock bands like maybe the Stooges and probably Tem uh, Motown bands, maybe. Um, Four tops, something like that. Oh, nice. Yeah. And then there's there's other bands. There's Moonwalks. There's a band called Proto Martyr that uh, oh that actually like is they're a band that people outside of Detroit you know have have uh, have had a chance to hear. You know. Yeah, they, I know they, them. They, yeah, they're great. And, yeah, uh, they're awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, the Detroit Cobras. Do you guys know them? I think I just I just uh, discovered them actually recently. I know I'm like way late to the game, but I didn't know they existed until. We put, we played a, I think we, we played at least one show with them in the real early days. Nice. I know that there was a poster on the on our site. I mean, okay, yeah, of course we know them from way back, way way right. back. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Is there anybody that you guys want to like from your from your like if you could go and t 
have somebody either come see you perform like somebody that you admire whether they're dead or alive like who would it be somebody that i, w- I would want to see the volbeats yeah mm-hmm. you want to see them in the audience somebody that you respect or admire like another musician Well, let's see. You know, if I, I mean, if the, you know, I guess if I'd want to look out and see somebody, a musician I admire in the audience, I'd, I'd want to see the guys from Sparks. Oh, nice. <laughs> if I saw that, that would make my day. That would be like, oh, all that's right. Nice. That's really cool. Yeah. Well, what you know, you, I, yeah, go oh, ahead. Sorry. Oh, me. Uh, I don't know. One of the Beatles, Paul McCartney. How's that? Nice. All right. There you go. Well, you know, in our early days, uh, when we first started, you know, we'd look out in the audience and see Rob Tyner from the MC5 out in the audience. Oh, you know? nice. So that was sort of yeah. like that same kind of feeling, you know. I mean, looking out and seeing Rob Tyner was um, very meaningful when we were, you know, in our early 20s, you know, just trying to, you know, tr- you know trying to figure yeah. out what we were doing, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We yeah. used to bump into him quite frequently, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. And then somebody has favorite place that you've played on the road? GTI girl. Favorite place we've played on the road. It's uh, a good question. Um, it's a tough one. You know, a gig, a gig pops into mind that was really nice was we played a gig in London once where we played a place called The Borderline, which I, I think is, is might be closing down. I think I thought I read that somewhere. But it was a really cool place. And uh, we, we showed up. And when we showed up, uh, everybody from our driver to the people at the club to people on the street just said, you know, no one's going to show up at your gig tonight because the football game is tonight. The uh-huh. football game that, and it's the football game that everybody's grandmother stays home to watch. So oh, everyone's going to stay home. You're going to play for nobody. So we were told this before we played and all these people came out and these people oh, wow. came out and they, you know, they uh, blew off the big game that everyone in England watches to come see the Volbeats. Wow. Yeah. Awesome. So if we hadn't played a great show, they would have just killed us. You know, oh, my I mean, God, they, right? they, you know what I mean? It was like they would not have been happy. And we got off stage and it was like they and they liked us. You know, we had a really great gig and the people were they weren't they were they weren't unhappy that they missed the football game. You know, yeah, Th- that was a you know, so that was a special uh, gig. And nice. all the, awesome. and then I talked to the guys in the audience. There were there a lot of them were guys that used to go see bands like Man and Brinsley Schwartz and like you know, all these kind of weird English bands that influenced influenced us, influenced me. You know, so it was it was cool. So yeah, that was cool. What was the name of the second place we played in London? Do you know? Now that was a weird gig. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God, that was weird. Yeah, that was the one I liked. Yeah. Well, what that was, we played a place that was this afternoon gig in a pub. And they said, you got to play this pub because uh, at the time, this is when John Peel was still alive. And John Peel had just uh, started playing us on the radio. He was playing our ABBA cover. He was playing oh, the, wow. our cover of Knowing Me, Knowing You was on the radio. <laughs> And of course, not long after that, uh, John Peel died. And, you know, that was, you know, I, I didn't get any more airplay in England after that. So um, <laughs> so we we, uh, we showed up at this club and they said, you got to play this pub because everyone in England, everyone in London that's really deep into the music thing, you know, deep into it, are going to be there. You know, so we're like, OK. 
And uh, we played this place and it was a very strange vibe, you know, it was like kind of some, there were some pretty heavy people in there, you know? And mm -hmm. um, at one point when we went on stage, we started playing and some guy like started messing with people's drinks or something. And all the guys at the table just stood up and this guy kind of had like the, the, you know, the, if I recall correctly, he was kind of a big guy, kind of looked like Alfred Hitchcock or something. And they just <laughs> lifted this guy over their heads you know, ran him out the door and threw him into the street. And then they all went and sat back down and, you know, listening to us. And um, <laughs> this is in the middle of the afternoon in London in this weird crowded pub. Right. And we're just like, man, you know, like Detroit is normal compared to this, man. Yeah. <laughs> in Detroit, you know, you just, you just duck if some people start shooting at each other or something. Like, what is this? You know, they're lifting people above their heads, you know? Yeah, so, seriously. Yeah, it was bizarre, man. Yeah. Was that the same guy that was like heckling me? And then they, uh, was that the guy they threw out? Cause that was a second guy. I don't know. But I don't know. I don't, I just remember the guy that they picked up. I just remember them throwing him out there. Yeah. yeah. I think it was I the same know. guy. Oh my yeah. God. Awesome. I can't imagine you guys getting it. Who the fuck heckles you guys? Like, <laughs> that's insane. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't remember being heckled, you know, but oh. I don't know. But that was, I don't know what he was saying. It was, you know, one of those where they stand about a foot away from your face, kind of okay. deal, and you're kind of like, okay, you know. Yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah. Gonna, only you can hear them, and then you wind up looking crazy because the audience doesn't know what the fuck is going on, and you're like, yeah. God, you're reacting to them. Yeah, mm -hmm. I did a, I did a small gig. I don't remember where it was, but it was in New Jersey, and it was my when I like, I was only like a year or two into comedy, and I get to the gig, and there's nobody there. It's fucking empty. It's a bar gig. You know, there's like a little stage. And I was like, is there no show? And the guy goes, no, there's a show. It's just everyone's at a wedding. And I was like, what do you mean everyone's at a, the whole town's at a wedding? And he was like, yep, they'll be here in a little bit. <laughs> Literally everybody <laughs> came in and like, like it was the dumbest shit. I was like, oh my God, this is fucking wild. But yeah, the whole town was late. It was insane. <laughs> I was funny. like, nobody else is coming. He's like, no, no, they're all at a wedding, but they'll be here a little bit. Just wait. Like, all right, fine. Holy shit. Jimmy Ohio asked, what guitar did you play on the album? Uh, I played the Les Paul, Ooh. a 72 gold top Les Paul. I guess it's, is that what it's called? A gold top, Jeff? Is that what that thing's called? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Okay. And then I played uh, the, the Squire Telecaster on a few things. Esquire. On a couple things. The Esquire. Is that what it is? Esquire? Esquire. Yeah, it's only got one pickup on it. The only thing we we know less about than uh, than computers is our own equipment. Um, uh, and then the guild, uh, my guild acoustic. We played the guild acoustic. That, um, you know, uh, and then the other guitarist Peter played uh, a Fender Telecaster, and uh, probably a couple different acoustic guitars too. And are that is that pretty much what we used for guitars? Twelve strings somewhere, yeah. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, and at one point I think I played a, I played a silvertone bass, uh, kind of emulating a uh, tenor guitar, but we didn't have a tenor guitar, so I just sort of played the, played this weird sounding bass, you know, on one of the songs. On nice. you get closer. Yeah, that's cool. Do you guys prefer having your stuff? I mean, uh, like having a producer on an album. Like, how how good are you with working with producers and stuff like that? Do you guys like to have full control over what you're putting out? Well, Jeff and I have always produced everything. We've, we've never been approached by an outside producer. Well, I th take it back. We were approached once. Mm. And uh, it was uh, Sandy Perlman okay. came up to us at a gig in Texas. 
Right. And he's like, I'm Sandy Perlman. I'm like, you produced Don't Fear the Reaper by Blue yeah. Oyster Cult, man. I'm like, we're in, man. You, well, let's do it. <laughs> let's get it on, man. You know, and so I got his phone number and we talked on the phone and we talked for months. Mm -hmm. And Sandy wanted to work with us, you know. Right. But he was just, um, he was distracted working with another group and he was trying to set up a record company. So it was just one of those things where it was moving in slow motion. And, um, but, uh, you know, I mean, I would have, you know, my attitude is, hey, man, if you can make something with us that sounds as good as Don't Fear the Reaper, <laughs> we'd do it in a second. And he, right. he also, I realized later he produced the first Dictators album, Dictators Go Girl Crazy. Oh, wow, I didn't know that. Yeah. So, I mean, he, it was a team. It was like Sandy Perlman and another guy named Mur Murray Krugman, I think mm. it was the two of them. But, but anyway, um, but that was one time where someone approached us. But I've known a lot. I've worked with a lot of producers, you know, just, just you know, I've, I've known a lot of producers personally uh but they all just you know i don't know they 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 all feel inclined to just stay out of our way with this bullbeat <laughs> stuff but uh wow. you know if, if if somebody approached us that was um you know somebody said hey man you know you know i, I can contribute something you know That's we'd cool. listen we 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 we'd, we'd talk to them we'd, we'd we'd hear them out you know yeah yeah, because I, mean, I knew you guys produced most of your own stuff, but I did read about a Sandy Perlman thing, and I was wondering if it was a, a, like an executive decision of like, no, 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 we we like some people just like that kind of control, and it always sounds better. Your albums sound great, so whatever you guys are doing, it's obviously working, and maybe you don't need, you know, anything anything produced by any outsider. Yeah, I mean, I think we don't we don't really need an outside producer, but I I, I respect outside producers. I mean, I've gotcha. um, I mean, um, you know, I, I, my my other band, Outrageous Cherry, uh, that I was in years ago, broke up in a few years ago, but a band that I played with for years. Uh, actually, uh, Phil Spector wanted to produce that band. Wow. So, I, so at one point I had Phil Spector uh, planning to produce a band I was playing in. Wow. But uh, everything just kind of, again, it was like the Sandy Perlman situation. Everything kind of slowed down and... I had to kind of get on with it and go record the record. I, I couldn't wait for him. I had to go do my thing. And then he, he of course, got into all these other problems that happened. You know, so, what? Yeah. <laughs> so it didn't happen. But, yeah. but uh, you know, so anyway, but yeah, it's, but I was uh, with the Spectre thing. I was ready to go, man. I was right. like, let's do it. You know, that would have, would have been great, you know, but um, you know, it just, uh, things weren't lining up and uh, you know, yeah. Yeah. Do you ever think about dabbling back into the in the film thing or no? Is that like it just did? I think about it sometimes, but you know, the problem is just that I'd have to have an idea that I felt felt was like just really necessary for me to go after. Mm. And I just, you know, I don't know. At this point, I just I I'm just more into appreciating other people's ideas, you know, and um, Sure. Uh but I I I don't keep up with much in terms of cinema that's coming out lately i mean i'm still just catching up on all the weird you know short avant-garde films from the you know you know from the 60s and earlier you know 50s 60s and you know so, so yeah i mean i'm interested in that but you know i'd have to just i'd have to be really really just just come upon an idea that i you know and it's just i don't know it's like I, yeah. when i talk to other film people they just seem to like i'm more, I'm more interested in hearing their ideas you know so i don't know you know I feel like the avant-garde stuff is is actually almost making its way. I mean, everybody's in nostalgia pieces these days or whatever, but Robert Downey just produced it or just did a documentary about his dad. And I never saw or knew any of the. I mean, I knew his dad was like a, a filmmaker, 
but I'd mm-hmm. never seen any of this stuff before. And even just seeing clips of it kind of, I mean, piques my interest at this point where I'm like, oh my God, what the, like, there was like truly some really bizarre avant-garde stuff. I haven't um, seen that stuff. Yeah. It, if you watch the documentary, it's pretty cool. Cause it's just a lot of it's obviously detailed in there and stuff, but I'd never seen it outside of that. Now I kind of want to try to find it. <laughs> yeah. Um, you guys oh. should produce uh, uh, like little, little like video or vin- when you, when you figure out how to work the internet, you know, mm-hmm. you and Jeff get together and do stuff based off the Lonesome Galaxy album because all those songs I think would make great visual, you know, pieces of art. Well, we, we've been we've been talking about it. It's actually uh, again our guitar player Peter uh, has been sort of um, you know making suggestions in that direction. You know? Nice. And so we're a cartoon, we're, perhaps. Yeah. Oh yes. Yeah. We're, t- yeah. we're talking about it. You know. Yeah. Yeah, that'd be fantastic. Um, well, I want to ask you guys each uh, the last three questions I ask every guest on the show. Mm-hmm. So um, you can decide which one of you wants to go first, flip a coin or whatever. But first question is, if you can go back in time and talk to your younger self, what piece of advice would you give yourself that would help you today? Uh, you answer, Jeff. Jeff. Relax. How's that? <laughs> All right. Were you anxiety ridden? I don't think real anxiety ridden, but I think, you know, maybe you get a little older, you... Uh, Mellow out. Try to try not to sweat so much stuff if you can do it. Gotcha. If I had to talk to my younger self, I'd probably say uh, not not to make so many compromises. Oh, <laughs> all right. All right. Career wise or, or socially, life wise? Um, in general, it's all oh. part of the same thing. It's all part gotcha. of the, all, all, you know. Sweet. Um, second question is what had to end in your lives? good or bad that led you to where you are today? Um, well, I guess I, I had to, um, I wouldn't say walk away from, but I had to avoid a film career to, you know, I had to, to st- stop that. And stop basically, and also photography and bowling and uh, <laughs> cross country skiing and playing chess. <laughs> I had to stop everything to play music. No one's ever said bowling before, so I'm really that's pretty great. Yeah, I love that. What about you, Jeff? Can you tell me the question again? Sure. Yeah, yeah. What had to end in your life, good or bad, that led you to where you are today? I think relationships you're not happy with. In order oh, yeah. To, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, did That's anybody good. ever try to like talk you out of doing what you loved? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I get that. Yeah. It sucks. Mm-hmm. And you're not even sure if you're making the right decision. Right. Exactly. Yeah. It's in the dark sometimes. Right. But now it feels pretty damn good, doesn't it? <laughs> well, I'd, I'd say when I was younger... When I was really young, people tried to talk me out of doing what I wanted to do, I think. But they soon realized they were talking to somebody that was just too weird to 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 be reached with whatever they were trying to impart to me. Right. And they, they eventually gave up, fortunately. Oh, yeah. That's good yeah. to have that kind of resilience. Yeah. Um, and, the, and the last question ties into the show. So if this was a genuine dystopia, more so than it is now, and there was like a government collapse, or it could be aliens or zombies or a comet heading toward the earth, whatever you decide, 
but you wake up the next morning and it's everybody's last day, what would be your epic death? How would you like to go out? <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> now that's a weird thing to think about. Um, yeah. Um, <laughs> and remember you have your choice, aliens, zombie, whatever, whatever you want, but that's the thing. And how would you want to, uh, what was the last thing I you would, want to be doing? I would choose survival. Ooh. All right. How are you going to, what, what are you surviving? That's what you don't, we don't know. It's, oh, it's, right. it's, but it's, uh, it's, you know, I guess it's, uh, you know, optimism, you know, beautiful. All right. I like right. that answer. Yeah. That's a good answer. What about you, Jeff? I guess doing something fun, something I enjoy doing, I guess. Nice. Yeah. What, yeah. what is it, Jeff? What well, is yeah. it? BA, I'm not sure. <laughs> 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 what is what does Jeff Oaks find fun? Yeah. Is, I, I kind of really like the idea of you scrambling at the very last minute though yeah. to find what you enjoy. Like fuck. Is it? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> that's that's hilarious. Well then what would be your last meals? Damn. Mine would be a variation of breakfast and it would be a little bit of everything. It'd be like a plate of pancakes and syrup, maybe like a bacon cheeseburger, you know, ice cream. I want to go out with some kind of heart, uh, <laughs> cottage, <laughs> some kind of, yeah. you know, <laughs> well, my answer to any food question is, is pizza. That's all. That's oh, like, nice. Yeah. That's a good answer. I'd have to, I'd have to pizza. say pizza. I'd say yeah. cheeseburger and fries. How's that? Nice. Awesome. Nice. Love that. Um, love talking to you both. I want to thank you again for spending time with me. I appreciate you taking time out of your day to, uh, to be on the show. And, uh, I hope I get to see you guys live at some point. I don't, I don't know when you're going to come out to the East coast. I'll come out to you guys. I don't care where you are. I'll I would out. love to go to Detroit. Yeah. I would what, go to what Detroit. What city are you guys in? I'm in, uh, LBI, New Jersey. Tom is in Staten Island. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But so I'll come you... to Detroit again. Well, we want to get out there. Yeah. We, you know, the last time. I mean, I think probably the last time we played out there was Hoboken, you know, it was probably the closest oh. we played to. Oh, that's know. right here. Yeah. We probably we played, played that little, we played that small place uh, near Soho. Remember, it was some kind of converted bar. Hmm. I don't the know. Mercury, we played the Mercury Lounge. Mercury Lounge? Oh, oh yeah. A good one. The one we played with Peter and the guy from out of town came and saw us with his wife. Oh, that was a little place. I don't remember that. But the Mercury Lounge, I remember, that was a nice place. Okay, a little yeah. place in Soho. I think I know. I think I can actually picture what you're talking about because I've been over there a lot. And we played the I, Knitting Factory. We all I know about the place was they said originally it was like a lesbian bar. Or something. Yes, I know. Uh, I know. It exactly wasn't Henrietta Hudson's, was it? No, no. And I, I think remember. it was near a museum, like Natural History Museum, maybe vicinity, okay. maybe. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. I can't think of the name of the place, but I can fucking see it. Especially, yeah. And um, it's the yes. But it was yeah. full when we played, so that was cool. Nice. But yeah, we also knitting. played. We played in New Jersey. We played in a weird dome in the middle of nowhere. Where? Oh, no, where I was this? Where that is. It was a dome in the middle of nowhere, and then afterwards, uh, the 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 girl that booked the gig uh, drove us out to the to the beach in the middle of the night in Atlantic City. What? Remember? Remember that? Yeah, and we, we climbed were, around that elephant, the wooden yeah. elephant. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, but we were playing this place. It was like a dome and it was out in the middle of nowhere. So it must have been by a university or something. It must have been must have been a university gig because why else would be people? I'm not, I'm not, 
I'm not remembering the dome. I'm remembering the elephant, though. But anyways, yeah. Listen, yeah. John wants John wants to come see you play. I want to come hang after the show. <laughs> yeah, I want to climb an elephant dome, fucking whatever you guys are doing. You guys yeah, are yeah. wild. It's like a yeah. vintage wooden elephant you can get inside of in Atlantic City. Atlantic City. Awesome. Guys, yes. Yeah. That's the that's by uh oh was that Taj Mahal? I don't know for sure. We 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 were out there in the dark just goofing around basically. Love it. Man, I gotta find that fucking thing. I don't know. I feel like I've been everywhere in this area. I've never seen a dome or a <laughs> yeah, or the a dome. Or, I don't know. I'll find that elephant. We'll send elephant. you a picture. Yeah, well, it was, seriously. It was a strange tour. So you know, we were being we were being you know, one strange situation to another kind of tour. We got to get you in the Stone Love Pony it. in Asbury. That would Absolutely. be cool. I've heard of that place. Yeah. Yeah. I would be a lot of fun. I think. Oh, Ma oh, Maxwell. Was it Maxwell's? Maxwell's. We played Maxwell's. Yeah. Maxwell's. Oh, you did. Okay. Yeah. Sweet. Yeah. Maxwell's a great place too. But the Stone Pony, that's where like Southside Johnny and yep. Little Steven and Springsteen all came up, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I've got a yeah. connection there. I can, I, I can, I can make me see what we can do. Oh, we'd love to play there. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be a lot of fun. Um, oh my God. Yeah. That would be a fucking blast. I love the Stone Pony. It's a nice place. Cool. Asbury's cool. Asbury is just a blast. Asbury is like the only culture New Jersey has. And then the rest of it's just shore trash like me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he says lamenting. Um, uh, but again, I, I just thank you guys so much for coming out. And I hope I, I'm going to come. I'm definitely going to come back to Detroit. I'll drag Tom with me. Maybe I'll do right the comedy castle. You guys can have to come out. Excellent. Yeah. Mark. Mark Ridley can watch us from his fucking wherever couch in the. I was just telling Jeff beforehand, but that's what he. I never got to meet him, but they were like, he saw you, he liked you a lot. I'm like, great. Is he here? And like, no, he watches from a TV in his living room. I'm like, what? I picture him in a hot, in a big tub like Scarface with the television. <laughs> yeah. Right? Like, God, what if he didn't like me? Have him killed. <laughs> yeah, the, yeah, he presses a button, right? <laughs> Go through the floor. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Dr. Like, Evil. This is pretty fucking creepy, but yeah, he's awesome. He's a, he's a great guy. Um, well, thanks so much, guys. Hang backstage for a little bit. We'll be right back as soon as we wrap up. Thanks, All right, guys. thanks. Yep. Hey, good night. So good, man. So, so good. Fucking awesome. They're the best. That was really, that was really a lot of fun. Hold on, hold on, hold on.